Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. This is Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein, and in this episode, we get to meet Ruth Katz, commercial real estate broker. Now, this conversation is very interesting because I am especially ignorant about the world of commercial real estate, so you get to find out about the world of real estate, commercial real estate from the bottom up, from zero knowledge to knowing a little bit more through this conversation and my innocent and um, sometimes amusing questions. And Ruth has done amazing things. She's really worked in all areas of commercial real estate from a very young age, from 18 to where she is now. And I think that you'll find this a very interesting conversation. So without further ado, Ruth Katz. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. This is Tuvia Kopstein. And today we have the pleasure of meeting with Ruth Katz, commercial real estate broker. How are you, Ruth? Great, thanks. How are you today? Okay, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Okay, so Ruth, we'd, we'd love to know, what is your story? How did you get started? What are you doing now? Let us hear it. Sure. So I grew up in a suburb of Long Island, New York, and I grew up with a family that was in real estate, but I took the opportunities that were given to me, and I really worked very hard and used all those relationships and built a career out of them. I, you know, I started at right from during while I was in college, and I've been working ever since. Mm-hmm. Okay, was there? You say you you worked very hard with the relationships that you that your family had already established. Was was there a certain expected path for you, and you you didn't take that path? No, I I really wanted to be self sufficient. I always wanted to be a businesswoman. And I really just have this very similar personality to uh, my father in sales. I mean, really, sales could be, you know, sales and anything. But I chose to you know, follow his lead because I was able to work while I was in college and not have to start as an internship someplace else. Mm-hmm. So your father was selling real estate. He was probably, your father was selling houses. Is that, is that the idea? Well, my father still is working today at 81 years old, and wow. he's a commercial mortgage broker from, from New York, where he does financing for co-op underlying mortgages throughout Manhattan, and he's uh, very well known. He's been in the industry over 50 years. Okay, very good. What's his first name? Harvey. Harvey Katz. Okay. Oh, no, no, that would be your, that's your married name. Sorry. <laughs> No, well, that's that's my maiden name. I use my I'm, okay. uh, divorced, and I use I always kept my name. Okay, I got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you like this: A lot of people want to know. Most people that are interested in real estate probably do not have a real estate background, and they want to get started, and they don't necessarily have the capital to get started. Is it possible to make it in real estate starting from nothing, or do you have to have something to start with? <laughs> Well, I never had capital and I still don't. Do. It's real. I just do sales and I'm only as good as my last deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so is my father at 81. It's, uh, you have to keep the pipeline going. Uh huh. Okay. So what, what is that process? What, what is it that you're, that you're looking to sell? How do you acquire? Like just, just familiarize. I, I'm not familiar. Not, many of our listeners probably aren't either. Yeah. Well, in, in the state of New York, you can get a real estate license at 18. 
And I, I applied for that. And then after two years being in the industry, you can become from a salesperson, you could become a real estate broker. So by 20, I was a real estate broker and I've been working in the real estate industry under those licenses over the years. Mm-hmm. And whether it be do, like, rentals, sales, financing, they all fall under the same license. So who, who would be a customer? Somebody looking to invest in real estate? So where I am currently today is I sell commercial real estate. I sell buildings, land, land for development. So I would sell either a you know, development site to build a building or a multifamily home, a hotel, office building, warehouse, industrial building. So what I do is basically at, at this point of my career, I do deals that are $20 million and higher because it's really the same amount of work. It's just numbers. It's not emotional. And they find that the clients with that do the bigger transactions, they're not emotional. It either fits their criteria or it doesn't. As opposed to a home where people are emotional because this is going to be where they set up their lives and they're, they get nervous about the neighborhood, et cetera. Yeah, is that correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I got it. I've, I've actually worked in all different aspects of real estate. When I started out, I started doing sales of residential apartments in Manhattan. And then I also did, and I did that for commission. I started that at 18. And I based that on relationships of different friends, you know, parents, really. I started working off the network that I was able, you know, had in my life. And, And then I also worked on appraisals. So since my father was in the mortgage business, he knew all the banks and they trusted him. This was before there was regulations on appraisals uh-huh. and they would, they would trust his value and he would send me out in the field to like, if a, let's say someone was buying an apartment in Manhattan for ownership, I would go in and take pictures and measure and compare it to three other comparable sales in the neighborhood, in the building and make a, you know, average it out and make a report. So I, I got to learn the market and the industry, and I had a, some security of having a salary doing those appraisals. Okay. So that probably gave you a lot of experience when, you're, when you are selling properties, you know if it's, if it's a good deal or not based on the, that experience. Yeah. I imagine. Okay. Got it. Um, of, all the, of all of the sales that you've made, what do you think is your greatest accomplishment professionally? It might not well, be in sales. Yeah. Right. Well, well, where I'm up to now is, so I've really been beating the street for a long time. So I actually won an award this past year for most influential woman in commercial real estate and be among um, my peers and, you know, very uh, big real estate developers. It was at a gala from a group called the Red Organization, a real estate development organization. And it was a great accomplishment for me. Wow. Okay. Now, in, in the, so real estate development is not, not your field, right? You're not taking a project from, from zero or from some dilapidated distressed property and, and re, rehabilitating, it, rehabilitating it and selling it to, you know, at an increased value. That's not, that's not your thing, right? I'm a broker. Right, I do broker. those type of transactions and I put different developers together okay. in a partnership, in a JV partnership. I see. Okay, very good. Now, I also work on national deals. I really am not even working much in New York these days. I've, 
I'm a licensed broker of my own company in New York and Florida, but I work with uh, other brokers and other properties all over the country. Uh-huh. We're actually t- taking the, uh, the capital from New York and investing it elsewhere these days because we're very overdeveloped in New York. So there's more opportunities elsewhere in the country. Did that, did that change? Did your, uh, your focus on New York, did that change with the pandemic or did, did that change beforehand? It actually started in 2015 mm-hmm. as the regulations in New York and our politics in New York, things are becoming a bit stricter. So uh, companies were looking to invest in other areas, mm-hmm. diversify. Okay. Well, in, throughout your career, what do you think has been the biggest challenge to, to your goals, to, the, to reaching your goals and in, in professional goals? Right. Well, the thing with commercial mortgage, uh, mortgages and commercial sales is that those deals are more complicated and they take a long time. Commercial sale, like I'm working on right now, I'm working on a new hotel that's being built in Nashville, and it won't be delivered till, let's say, April with the chain supply issue and, you know, hard to get, you know, goods and services and workers. This could be even delayed even longer. So with commercial deals, you're really lucky if you get a deal done in, in six months. Uh-huh. And, and if it actually closes, because there's so many factors, things that go into it and things that can go wrong. So you're lucky if you close a, a deal a year, honestly. I mean, the industry really hasn't changed. There are times that I call my father and I'm like, I can't believe this fell out of contract. And he said, Ruth, this is like the same thing that's been going on <laughs> since for the band, since, since I started 50 years ago. You're, you're, and, and you're swimming with the sharks because you're dealing with super smart, successful, tough people. Uh-huh. So the, the idea is that if you're only doing one deal a, a year and you can, if, if you're successful, if you close one deal a year. So the hope is that the one deal a year will be such a big win that that'll, that'll sustain you for, in terms, in terms of what you need for yourself and your family, that will sustain you for the, until the next deal? Yes. Well, at this point, my kids are in college. So if I make the money, I make the money. It's very tough to support a family, uh, not, not knowing you know, when the deal will close and how many deals you'll do. And you, know, you really have to have a very thick skin and be very seasoned in this industry. Uh-huh. So what, let, tell me about the, the Red Award for Most Influential Woman in Real Estate. What is... What does it mean to be influential in real estate? Because what I do is... Well, I actually do off-market real estate, mm-hmm. which is private transactions. Right. And that's not... And, I, and I'm on my own. I'm not with a big brokerage house. So it's really... I'm strictly working on relationships and no one networks like me. I mean, everyone has different skills and it, and I have a skill that's not a learned skill. It's a networking social skill. And that's what I'm best known for. And I create opportunity. I walk into a conference, let's say it's a hotel conference with all you know people looking for deals. And I say, who wants opportunity? Uh, no, no one's going to turn that down because everyone's looking for to make money and for an opportunity. And I, I, at this point, I've really met almost all the owners <laughs> all over the country. And I know their criteria and what they're looking for. And I have, and I have access to these private transactions. So I, I'm influential, meaning that I bring them opportunity. 
Do they always close? No, but I'm out there giving them what they're looking for. And they really appreciate that. Beautiful. So it's the, it's those soft skills that you're, that have really put you have, have that you've developed that have really put you on top as an influential woman in the industry. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me know if this is if this is the wrong kind of question. Do you think that there's a, is there a disadvantage? It sounds like the advantage of being a woman in the real estate industry is that those soft skills that naturally come to a woman, which is relationships and networking, that those those you're using to your advantage. Is there, do you find a disadvantage of being a woman in the real estate industry? You know what? It's funny that you asked that because I really don't. I think that it's a tough industry. As I my, I have a partner. I have a male partner and, mm-hmm. and nothing's different for him. Like the way we're treated sometimes or the way things work out. I don't think it has to do with the, with the sex of the person. I think it has to just do with the skills of the person. Okay. And do you think, do you find that there's different skills that you have different skill sets, like say with your, with your male partner, like he's better at one thing, you're better at something else. Well, I always say everyone has to do what they're good at. Right. So I'm good mm-hmm. at finding the buyers and he's, he has the relationships with the properties and he does the underwriting. He's been in the industry for lo- longer than I have. And that's, that's where his skill set is. He, he really runs with the deal. I'm, I'm putting the people together and then he's really running with the deal. I keep us together. I, I have the organization skills. So I keep the whole thing flowing and organized and moving on top of it. Did you find that the, the COVID pandemic, did that make a, uh, a blockage in business for, for, for you? It definitely did because everyone was scared. We didn't know, you know, really what was going to happen. So what, what we learned in COVID was you don't have to go to the office. You don't have to go shopping in person and you don't have to go to the hotel for vacation, but you do need a place to live. So multifamily became very important. We actually had a financing freeze for a while. First, the hotels went on a financing freeze. And, you know, there was, there was a hold on financing except for, for multifamily. And, and now we have a housing shortage and a housing crisis. And people are now working more flexible and being able to work from home and realizing the, how important the space of the home really is. So all the deals that I had in contract all, all fell apart. All the contracts got renegotiated. Everyone was looking for half the value, but the sellers were not going to sell them for half the value. It was a lot of let's wait and see. Look, I know there was a lot of transactions that went on because my clients actually did a lot of transactions. They did them actually between themselves. I, 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 everyone was also waiting for distress to hit, but it never hit because everyone was very well financed. Like they were previously well financed, but the distress never really. We kept thinking, oh, when is this, you know, these notes are going to come due and they'll be distressed. It never really happened. Uh-huh. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> very good. I, now, did I notice that you also do interior decorating, interior design? Well, that's been my hobby. So okay. I've actually, I, I, I'm left brain and right brain. So I, I like business, but I also like to be creative. So mm-hmm. I've actually designed eight of my own homes. You know, I've bought, renovated, designed, renovated, lived in them, and then I've sold them. So that's, that's, that's been a great, great passion. And I've been very fortunate because I rode really good markets. Wow. 
Okay, then the home that you're living in now, is that is that where you are right now? Yes. yes. And that's designed by you? Yes. Interior? Is. Okay. Can we see a little bit of uh, what you have there? Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Great views. Yeah. This is Manhattan? This is in Manhattan. Okay, very nice. Beautiful. And do you have... Um, in, in terms of getting your ideas for interior design, did you learn from from other examples of things that you saw elsewhere that you particularly liked? No, it's really just how I like to live. I like glamour. I like clean, streamlined, modern. And I found that was a bit universal for people. And it, this is something that I like. I like to, like I can design for other people and I've been asked to. I just haven't because it's kind of like Murphy's law and design. Like everything takes longer and, and, and it doesn't come out right. Mm-hmm. And, and I wind up having to deal with the mistakes, but I would hate to be responsible for those mistakes. For other uh-huh. <laughs> how do you like, I mean, you're talking about living, living in eight houses and moving at least eight times. How, how do you like that sort of transient uh, existence? <laughs> Well, I, I like to keep busy <laughs> and I don't, I don't mind moving because I like to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Do, do your kids appreciate that they, uh, you know, every time it's, a, it's, it's, it's switching every few years. That they, well, you know. Yeah. You know, kids are very adaptable. Okay. And they, you know, as long as they're, you know, with their friends and their schools, they were fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, since this is a, this is a Jewish outreach organization I, I want to talk a little bit about about being jewish did you ever feel in your in your career did you ever feel did, did judaism ever, ever come up as a disadvantage as an advantage any thoughts on that in new york it's been an advantage because a lot of the real estate owners are are of jewish descent and, and are owners of buildings so i think that they feel comfortable with me and mm-hmm. relate to me and I get invited to Jewish real estate events. So I, okay. I, I think, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's been helpful over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I noticed that, that you're involved with, with APAC and, um, and my sister worked for APAC for a long time in San Francisco. Um, I, I wanted to know the, the environment in, in the world today, especially with the, with young Jewish people, especially on college campuses is uh, very toxic. It's the, there's such a um, there's such an, an anti-Israel um, feeling in the air that that a lot of Jewish students are who would otherwise openly identify as Jewish feel afraid to do so nowadays, and if they if they're you know if they're identifying practicing it would be in private it, they won't want people to know about it. What what would you what are your thoughts on on what's going on as as someone who supports Israel? What are your thoughts on on, on this? And maybe what message would you like to give to to Jewish students out there? I think you are who you are. You have to own it. You have to not be afraid to to speak your voice and, and your truth. I mean, there's if you look at all different cultures and nationalities, there's problems everywhere, right? We have Asian issues. We have Hispanic issues, African-American issues. You know, people are people. Like we... We've been breaking down old systems to be creating new systems. We were a bit in a healing crisis right now with uh, you know, a lot of change going on. And I think we just have to embrace it. Are you saying at the, the world in general? Or are, you, or are you talking about the, uh, as a Jew? Both. Okay. 
Um, do you do you work with uh, an employee, uh, an employer employee relationship? Meaning, in, you talked about you have a partner. Do you also have people working for your real estate firm that are like somewhat, so to speak, under you? No, I don't actually. I've been on my own the whole time. I've always just been an independent contractor. My partner, he has his own company, but a lot of brokers co-broke. We, you know, they do deals together. The company share in the transaction. Uh-huh. What would be the reason? Just, just pardon my unfamiliarity with the with the industry. Why would why would a broker need to bring in another broker? What what would the other broker bring to the table? It's just relationships. Someone might know the buyer. Someone might uh-huh. know the seller. Uh-huh. We just we're, we're we're having extra relationships that we wouldn't have besides our own relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to to turn the the tables a little bit back to back to your personal story, um, is there ever any is there ever a time besides the stress that you described about not knowing when the deal is going to close or it's going to you have to renegotiate a contract? Was there ever a time that you doubted your own abilities to succeed in this industry? Or yes, because you know, you, once again, you're only good as your last deal and. Mm-hmm. Deals fall through all the time and you, it's very frustrating. And you think, why am I still doing this? Like the amount of hours and time that I put in. And if I was in a salary job or some other type of field, maybe you'd probably be more successful. So, you know, it's kind of like, I think of like golf. <laughs> like you play golf and, and you have a bunch of bad shots. You think that's it. I'm going to quit this game. But then you have that one great shot. And you get sucked right back into it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a certain joy that comes with closing a good deal. There's a this feeling of satisfaction, celebration. <laughs> I actually uh, closed a $90 million deal in the past couple of months. And it, uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, then you feel, okay, well, you know, that, that made up for the best uh, bad COVID years. <laughs> uh-huh. Very good. Um, if you would start over again, would you do anything differently? I wish I started earlier. Really? Earlier I than 18? Started, well, earlier in commercial. Because I, I worked after, we skipped the big middle part, but after uh-huh. I worked in, uh, I started off at, at 18, 19, 20, up till 22. Um, and by, when, when I turned 22, I actually got into mortgages, residential mortgages. And with my ex-husband, we actually wound up building a big mortgage company because the rates were going from double digits to single digits. Mm-hmm. And my uh, boyfriend at the time, before we became married, he was working at a bank. And I said, you know what? we got to start a mortgage company because we're going to ride this big refinance boom. So he quit his job at the bank. We started with six people at the age of 20, 22, 23, 24. And we actually built a big company. He started the company with two of his friends. I was never allowed to be a partner, but it's okay because I didn't have the liability. But I, but we built a big business. We wound up with 2,500 employees over the course of the 12-year building of the company. I was in the top three salespeople of doing residential mortgages in the company. And the reason why is because I was in the New York market. We became a national company. But I was in the New York market, which had the highest loan amounts. Mm-hmm. And I also did the highest amount of volume. 
And then we wound up taking that company public in 2004 as a REIT. Like we became, we became our own bank. We were in the top 10 largest banks in the country. We became a public REIT in 2004. And then my ex-husband became like an expert in the industry. He was really one of the first first people to predict the mortgage crisis Mm -hmm. and got out and sold the company in 2006. Mm. So I worked in like, in, in, if you look back, I worked as an appraisal, a residential broker, a residential Mm. mortgage broker, uh, commercial mortgages with my father and commercial sales with, so I've actually done all aspects of, of real estate, except for development, which I'd like to be my last stage at some point uh-huh. that if I get one, if you get successful enough, then you invest the money into your own deals and you have partners to do those deals. Uh, okay. So that, I was going to, that was going to be the next question. What, what, where do you want to take this? <laughs> right. It's to real estate development, hopefully. I also like the design aspect. So mm-hmm. I, I actually have my own family office. So we have, uh, I have a, another partner at the family office and like we, we have access to our own capital to do our own transactions. He's very strict in his criteria. So he hasn't found the best property to do that yet, but that's, that's the next thing we will be doing is our, our own purchasing of multifamily because that's really the most secure asset that you can consistently raise rates. Okay. That's very good. Um, okay. Is there anything that any good question that you think that I didn't ask that I should have asked about real estate, about the real estate industry? I, let me ask like this. Sorry. I'll get to, I'll get that. I'll get back to that. But if for somebody who wants to get into this industry, what would you advise them? I always say fortunes in the follow-up okay. and to be persistent. I've always, when I was a mortgage broker, everyone always said, Miss Katz, thank you so much for your persistence. Mm-hmm. And till today, even I'm you know, constantly following up with clients and keeping everything, you know, the transaction and the details moving along. I think that a lot of people don't really follow through. I, I also say that all roads lead to roost <laughs> because I, I, put, I always, I know all the different people and put them together. It always seems to connect back to me. And, and then I always say, you ask, I deliver because I'm true to my word. If you ask me to get something like the $90 million deal that I did, uh, the, you know, the, actually the clients lost the deal to be, they didn't bid high enough. They asked, can you find the, the buyer that was going to buy it? And I found it within 48 hours. And so they asked, I delivered. Wow. So that you're saying that that character trait, you have to be ready to be persistent in order to succeed in real estate. You have to have follow up. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have, to, you have to be professional, true to your word, work hard, consistent. I mean, I'm up at six thirty. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm available. I'm accessible. I'm accessible twenty four seven. Now with the phone, it's, you know, it's easy just to, I am mostly emailing. I'm not even talking a lot of the time. Most of the day, I'm just, I'm just emailing. And, and with technology, I can work from anywhere. I don't work from a home office. The pandemic didn't affect me that way because I've always worked off my phone. Uh-huh. But you need to be consistent uh-huh. and, reliable. You, and reliable. And <laughs> reliable. 
the, in, in terms of persistence, you said that, that they gave you, people in the industry gave you encouragement early on for being persistent. Do you find it difficult to strike the right balance between persistence and, and going over the line, being too aggressive? I don't really think it's going over the line. I mean, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. My job is like when I was doing mortgages, my job was you, you have a deadline to get that interest rate. So I have to get you to keep giving us the correct, correct documentation to get you to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And people are, oh, it's annoying. So all that, all that paperwork's annoying. All those documents were annoying, but they were glad that I was on them so they can get it done in time. <laughs> right. To procrastinate something you don't really want to do. Right. I'm doing your taxes. <laughs> Very good. I saw, I noticed also that based on what you're, what you're posting publicly, that, that your son is in the army. Is that correct? So my, my youngest son is in West Point. Uh-huh. He's actually there because he's a lacrosse player, a D1 lacrosse player. Okay. So yes, he's uh, he took a path of of serving. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine your other kids are, are, are there, do you have children who are in uh, real estate as well? No, my other son is in Columbia okay. and he's and actually working also in invest. He's actually just getting hired to work in investment banking. He had an internship and they and they're looking to hire him now so he's he's going the route of banking my other son in the military and and i'm in real estate now i'm hoping to to have this family office successful and going forward and i think it's always good to have investments i think i like real estate i like that it's tangible i always like that i lived in my assets and profited off my assets and i hope that my children will be part of that in the future what no matter what else they're doing Okay, very good. Now let's go back to that question I wanted to ask before. Are there any other good questions that need to be asked that you want to say about, in general, about life and wisdom, the wisdom that you've acquired in life and uh, that you could share with the next generation? Yes, you have to go with your gut. You can't ever listen to what people say. If I listen to the facts and the figures and the logic and the no's, I would never get anywhere. I go with what's true and what resonates to me. Mm-hmm. And you can't be afraid to ask. For ask for the business. The worst thing you get is a no. That's it. Okay. Very good. Okay, Ruth, thank you so very much for your time. And we really appreciate this. And we think a lot of a lot of the listeners will find value in in your experience and in sharing sharing what you have to share. So thank you Great. so much. Thank you so much. Okay, be well. Okay, take care. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.